0: Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the Daily Tap. I am your host, Charlie. As you know that, you should know that. If you don't, if you're new to the show, welcome. Hopefully somebody told you over the holiday break to check us out. We'll be talking about the Green Bay Packers in full today. We're gonna talk about why it's now or never for Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, and Zadarius Smith. We will also recap the top moments from the 2021 year for the Green Bay Packers. We'll also talk about the top games from that 2021 year as well. Excited to do all that. We'll do some recapping for the Milwaukee Bucks on Thursday. So that'll be a part of Thursday show. So you're like, where are the Bucks? The Bucks to me are the story of 2021. Don't get that twisted. It just worked with the other topic I had on deck today. Follow us on all the socials. Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and then on tw- on Twitter, we're tabbing the Keg. So hopefully, you see us all on those channels. We appreciate all the love and support as always. Let's start talking about the Green Bay Packers. So as I mentioned in the open, that top moments were going to be featured later on in the show. You will hear about it. We'll talk about them. One of the things that didn't make the cut. Were all of the injuries? This was something unprecedented for the Matt LaFleur era. During Mike McCarthy's tenure, we had multiple years where everybody seemed to get hurt. Every year, it seemed to be a theme that nobody could stay healthy. In fact, it was an annoyance, I think, for Packer fans that it always seemed like everybody was banged up and wondered about these the strength and conditioning staff, wondered what they were doing for the Packers because they always seemed to be soft tissue injuries. They didn't just seem to be like, oh, this person broke a hand or this person broke their foot. It always seemed to be like a hamstring pull or a shoulder strain or something like that where it was clear that there was something going on in that weight room that really wasn't correlating to the football field. But this hasn't been an issue for Green Bay for two years. Green Bay has really escaped by. They've had really good injury luck and they've been relatively healthy besides the David Bakhtiari ACL tear at the end of 2020, 2020 into 2021. I still remember being at my now wife's parents' house when Bakhtiari got the news that Bakhtiari had tore his ACL. It was absolutely gutting. It was one of the worst things that had happened in 2020 and you think about how bad 2020 was for sports and like to end it with David Bakhtiari tore his ACL it was the cherry on top of a shit Sunday, and Green Bay really didn't get better from there I mean they were able to get to the NFC championship game but as I've said a hundred times and I'm sick of saying it They would have won that game had Bakhtiari been out there. And I will say that till the day I die. I hope that the Green Bay Packers win a Super Bowl this year so I don't have to think about if David Bakhtiari doesn't tear his ACL, does Aaron Rodgers have another Super Bowl under his belt? I really, really do not want to think about that. I I just don't. So that is the question of will these guys actually be back though? and how are they going to come back is this going to be possible and to me this week is shitter get off the pot week for all three of them because we are two weeks away from the season being over right now green bay is lined up to have a bye i don't think you want any of these guys coming back for their first games to be the playoffs I think some guys will be okay if that's the case, such as like Josh Myers or Billy Turner, for example. Josh Myers and Billy Turner have played all this season. I am not worried if Josh Myers and Billy Turner are going to play, you know, basically when the playoffs start. I am very comfortable with either of those guys out there because I don't think it's going to disrupt the chemistry or disrupt what green bay is doing with the offensive line in fact i think that would really help things if you have turner and myers sort of in the offensive line room on top of everybody else you could maybe move lucas patrick to left guard you could potentially. well running's been good but still you could basically look at lucas patrick maybe to right Right guard and fill in for Royce Newman, although Royce Newman, I think, has been better the last few weeks. You could potentially talk about Josh Neiman out of the left tackle position, but I think Neiman's done a pretty good job that he's going to keep that and not move Dennis Kelly to left tackle. So I don't think it would disrupt a ton of things if the offensive line comes back during the playoffs. But some of these big guys, they need to have the time to get warmed up because These are opponents that could easily kind of work your way into this season. And with David Bakhtiari, it seems like he's running into every sort of injury problem. David Bakhtiari's knee has not been able to get better. He has had a back issue as well that might be impacting him because of the work he's doing on his knee. In my opinion, they should shut down David Bakhtiari for this season. I think, I know it's frustrating for Packer fans to hear that, But I I just think through all of it, and I just wonder if it's better if Green Bay just does not use David Bakhtiari the rest of the season. Now, if David Bakhtiari comes back, let's just say the NFC Championship game, which would be super ironic, right? If, say, Bakhtiari comes back for the Tampa Bay game, they play Tampa Bay in the Championship game, and all of a sudden they have Bakhtiari back. Like, totally different scenario, whatever. Again, Bakhtiari is in that category of, I trust him no matter what. But still, I I just wonder if he's going to wait this entire year out, if he just looks at it and says, this is not worth the risk. I understand wanting to win a Super Bowl. I understand wanting to be... The blindside protector for your friend Aaron Rodgers, but at the same time, you have to be pragmatic. You have to be smart about it. And if it's just not going to work for you, then that's that. I, I want Bakhtiari to be fully healthy. I'd rather have David Bakhtiari fully healthy next season, no matter who's at quarterback and make sure that he's good for the future versus Bakhtiari now maybe playing at 70 or 80% and could significantly hurt him down down the stretch of his career. I just don't want that. So I want David Bakhtiari to be fully healthy, but I do think this week matters for him. As for Jair Alexander, I think there is a better chance of Jair Alexander playing than any of these three. I think Jair Alexander might even play this week. Like I said, it is now or never. I think it's crucial that you have Jair Alexander out there this week. I think it really matters that Jair Alexander is out there because the chemistry of the secondary I think matters more than the offensive line I think the offensive line can they have their assignments they know but I think Joe Barry needs to understand how am I going to use J.R. Alexander, Rasul Douglas, and Eric Stokes in the lineup at the same time that to me is the biggest challenge for Joe Barry right now to think through because Rasul Douglas we know the story of Rasul Douglas he's been great on the outside also, Eric Stokes has been excellent on the outside as well. J.R. Alexander, is he's a great outside corner. He plays an awesome outside corner, but being that he's a little shorter, he could easily be a slot corner. He could easily be sort of this rover that sort of makes plays in the middle of the field. J.R. Alexander, to me, should assume that role over Douglas or... Stokes, especially over Stokes. Stokes just does not have ball skills to be a rover. He just cannot catch a ball. It's something that he needs to work on. I realize he's a, a, a defensive back, but Eric Stokes should have at least three or four interceptions this season. And they've just hit him right in the hands. He has hammers hammers for hands. And that's why he can't be the rover. If you have J.R. Alexander as a rover with Rasul Douglas's opportunistic, you know, ability to intercept on, you know, jump passes and shit like that. I think you have a really really good secondary and you create a real problem for all the quarterbacks the rest of the way. I think you would there would be some real problems. I also think you could use Jair Alexander as a blitzer. We've seen that a little bit and having Jair come off the edge would be something that I think Joe Barry should employ. Packers could be really strong in this category. Another thing too, with Alexander, he doesn't tackle that much, but at least then you have some speed on the outside. So maybe you're not getting burned on the contain as much as the last defender. I think that's what you do. I think you have basically five defensive backs in at all times, you have Stokes, you have Douglas, you have Alexander, you have Amos, you have Savage. And that that's your, that's your defensive backfield. And then you have two linebackers, and then you have three up, right? Two linebackers? No, sorry, <laughs> I I know offenses. Trust me, I base four three. You'd have that, so you'd have to have yeah, you two linebackers and three defensive linemen. So that's probably be how you would do it, right? Three five, yeah, three two five, yeah. It'd be a three two five. There we go. I knew I knew what I was doing, guys. Don't worry, I, I've played football before. Yeah, you'd have a three two five. Out there, and that's probably what you'd have to do on obvious passing downs on downs that are more run heavy or teams that are more run heavy. Yes, you might have to bring in a few more linebackers to make it happen and sort of get it done. Three two five is not right. That's eleven. No, it's three three five. Yeah, it's three three five. There you go. All right. I knew I was getting there. Don't worry. I, I had it. I just was I just had to think through it a little bit. Sorry about that. You guys are like, God, you're just not a football savant. But yeah, I think you'd do five five defense backs and I think it's more likely that you get Jair Alexander back. You have to figure out how to work in Jair Alexander with Douglas and Stokes because they've played so well. Now granted Alexander, one of the best players in football. I'm not I'm not denying Jair Alexander, but I'm just saying You need to figure out how do we blend those guys in all together because they have the future is bright with Stokes and Alexander just together. I don't think Rasul Douglas is coming back only because I think he's going to get a fat contract from somebody else. But I do think that Alexander and Douglas are your, or I'm sorry, Alexander and Stokes are your outside corners for the future. This year, I just don't know. Maybe it's a little more rotate guys in and out. Have some other have a rotational of slot corners, whether it's. in, whether it's alexander whether it's kevin king whether it's stokes you know kind of just do that and maybe that's sort of it i don't know i'm very fascinated to see what joe barry does with the defensive backfield i think that's why you need to have alexander out there this week last guy zadarius smith zadarius smith i don't think is coming back i think zadarius smith's done uh, i just do i think we need to face facts on that Matt Lafleur gave a bunch of injury updates yesterday, um, and Zedaria Smith was not included in that. The fact that Zedaria Smith wasn't included just tells me everything I need to know. Zedaria Smith and the Packers had an awful ending to what was a promising start. I think everybody loves Z here. I think what will come out with Zedaria Smith will not be good. I'm actually surprised that we haven't had a big expose. I think it's probably because we're in Green Bay and Milwaukee and not in New York. I think if this was happening in New York, LA, Chicago, one of the big media markets, even like Miami, right? Or Atlanta. I think there would be a big story on all the shit that's went on with Sedarius Smith. It's not been good really from the start. Sedarius played one game, decided he needed back surgery, and there you have it. Now, I've heard some things. I've heard that, you know, the back surgery was something that they wanted him to do all offseason, and he basically said no, kind of similar to Scottie Pippen. Then I also heard that, you know, Zadarius was in a casino when he wasn't supposed to be. Um, It's against, you know, player rules to be in a casino on game day, just from a betting perspective. So people didn't like that it seemed like Zadarius was getting ready to play and then all of a sudden pulls the cord. Remember, right after the bye, he was kind of like, he had the Instagram like game week and now he's kind of gone radio silent. So no one really understands it. And I also don't know. Like I thought personally that Zedarius Smith was going to play against the the Baltimore Ravens, right? So team, he has the whole like snub dangle, all that other stuff. And then Zadarius Smith does not play and he's kind of just been pretty much non-existent like I I don't know like we haven't really seen anything like he did that it's about that time on December 2nd and then he did a whole promotion with Dix on December 6th that's the last time we've heard from Zadarius Smith on Twitter so December 6th that is over 20 days ago that's crazy to not hear anything you know from a guy who's pretty active on social media He also did a We Love You Kentucky on 12-11 when, you know, obviously the whole issue with, you know, the tornadoes and everything else. He was liking some tweets from Steve Harvey. You always got to look at the likes, man. So you got some future, future likes, some Tony Jefferson likes, some Tiger Woods, Giannis. But there's no real likes about the Packers, there's no real stuff that that's out there where you're like, okay, Zedarius Smith makes sense. He still has Packers in his in his like header, Twitter header. But yeah, I, I don't expect Zedarius Smith to come back. If Zedarius Smith comes back, I will be shocked. It'll be like the scene in Christmas Vacation where it's like Eddie. I wouldn't be any more if my head was nailed to the ground I wouldn't be any more surprised than I am right now that's kind of how I feel about Zedaria Smith and if Zedaria Smith does come back I might have to do like a photoshop of my head nailed to the ground because like I just I do not see any way that Zedarius Smith comes back and I'm just being realistic so to sum up it is shit or get off the pot for these guys I think Jair Alexander back this week I will put my my rep on that. I don't have that much of a rep, but I'll put my rep on it that Jair Alexander comes back this this week. David Bakhtiari, I am leaning towards he's not going to be back this season. I do think with offensive linemen, though, while it is still now or never, then you need to get those reps. I do think, I trust Bakhtiari more than I do other guys. Let's just put it that way. And Zedarius Smith, I think the ship has sailed. I think he will be going off to free agency and hopefully getting money. But I think Zadarius will realize that not playing for a year and kind of sabotaging a season does not really play with the rest of the NFL. But that's just me. So we'll see what happens this week. I'm excited to play the Vikings. I know the Vikings have been a little bit of a Matt LaFleur kryptonite team, but we'll talk about that a little bit more with Mitch tomorrow when we do Tapping the keg. Moving on to the top moments of 2021 for the Green Bay Packers. I used to do this a lot on the blog years ago. I had a friend of mine, uh, Eric, who gave me shit forever um, that I put like Marquette losing to Washington as like a top sports moment of the year. And I explained to Eric, like this is my list. This was before like we got hyper local with Wisconsin sports. And I was like to Eric, I was like, this is my fucking list. Like I can do whatever I want with it. And then Eric, you know, would give me shit and bust my balls about it. Going forward. So, yes, this is my list. These top moments are the top five things that I thought happened this year for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, The other topic will be my favorite games of 2021 as well. Number one is the Aaron Rodgers drama. You cannot ignore the Aaron Rodgers drama. You just can't. It was such a big headline for 2021. I realized that nothing happened to the haters and the losers that wanted Aaron Rodgers to get traded. It didn't happen. Green Bay is still on top. They are still 12 and three. It's funny to look back on Bears fans and Vikings fans tweets from this summer where they were convinced that the Packer dynasty was going to collapse within itself and then it didn't and Green Bay has fixed itself. I think that yeah the Aaron Rodgers drama was a huge storyline but the fact that the Packers have seemingly rebuilt that relationship at least from what we know is a huge part of this as well. Now I know there are people who listen, who follow me, who are like, "Charlie, there's your naivety coming out in full force because the cynics would say that Aaron Rodgers is doing everything for the camera. He's making nice nice. Everything is supposed to be so you think that Aaron Rodgers is not unhappy. I don't know. I I don't think you can fake that. I really don't. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is that much of a psycho. I don't think he's uh, Christian Bale or Patrick Bateman, yeah, in American Psycho. Like, I I don't think that's where Aaron Rodgers is. Some of you might. Some of you might think he's that much of a psychopath, but I really don't. I don't see Aaron Rodgers at that level of, you know, manipulation and basically being like, okay, yeah, I don't think that that, that this is – and Rodgers just basically pulling the ripcord and saying, okay, yeah, J.K., I hate everybody and I still want out. But I do think it's the top story of the year. It has to be. It was such a major headline. So much flew around through the, the offseason. And then Aaron Rodgers came back. And they, they helped him out by getting Randall Cobb. And they started to rebuild that relationship. And Brian Gunacous deserves a ton of credit for that. And Aaron Rodgers also deserves a lot of credit for basically stepping up. And I think the New Orleans thing when they got blown out by New Orleans in week one was the best wake up call that happened to Aaron Rodgers and everybody else that was doing it that needed to sort of feel that. And I wonder if the Packers, let's just say Packers lose like 16 to 10 to the Saints or something like that. Or I don't know, 24 to 17. Do things change or is there, are things a little bit different? I don't know. I have no idea. The vibes were off in that game and they were immediately fixed, second half of that Detroit game, and it's been smooth sailing ever since. It kind of feeds into the next moment with the Packers losing to Tampa Bay and then immediately bouncing back. Yet another NFC championship loss for Green Bay. They've lost a few of those. There was a lot of controversy after that one. To me, that one hurt probably, I wouldn't say it was as bad as the Seahawks loss. Definitely wasn't as bad as the Giants' loss, which is pre-Rodgers, but it was definitely one that stung more than the San Francisco or Atlanta games where we just didn't have a shot. And we were easily a beat-up, beleaguered team that had no business being in the NFC Championship game. And the only reason we were there was Aaron Rodgers. People forget that about like Aaron Rodgers and their NFC Championship record. Like The haters who love to shit on Aaron Rodgers just conveniently forget that two of those game two of those we wouldn't be we wouldn't have been there without fucking Aaron Rodgers it's similar to Jim Jim Beheim's. we wouldn't have won 10 fucking games without Jerry McNamara it's a similar sort of sort of thing because it's like Aaron Rodgers was the reason we we were in that game against Atlanta and we were in the one against San Francisco and we just got dump trucked in both and they were smoking mirrors all 2019. I realize there are some people who think the Packers are smoking mirrors this year. I've said I said to you last yesterday that that's kind of bullshit, and kind of explained it through, but. They bounced back immediately after that Tampa loss, which was brutal. And to me, that shows a lot of resolve of this Green Bay Packer team and this coaching staff. Nobody dwelled on it. Nobody sit on it. They weren't in a funk. They didn't start out slow. They they hit the ground running, and they won a lot of games this year. Twelve and three is something that is is something to hold your hat on. And Green Bay has a real shot of being fourteen and three, and having yet another. Awesome record for Matt LaFleur as Matt LaFleur continues to establish himself as one of the best coaches in football. And people can say Aaron Rodgers helps Matt LaFleur out and all this other bullshit. But at the end of the day, Matt LaFleur deserves so much more credit than he gets in the national landscape. Number three is the breakout of A.J. Dillon. And maybe this might be a little high But I think the A.J. Dillon breakout is one of the bigger stories of the year because a few things. Number one, they brought back Aaron Jones, which was a surprise. I think none of us expected Aaron Jones to be back. And Aaron Jones came back on a very team-friendly deal. And with Aaron Jones coming back to the Packers, it was like, well, what's next for A.J. Dillon? And then A.J. Dillon sort of emerged as this number one back. I think A.J. Dillon is ready to take over that role. Uh, Aaron Jones' contract, you know, they could get out of it this year. It's easier to get out of next year. I think it's going to happen. I don't think Aaron Jones is going to be a Packer next season. I think whether Green Bay trades him or they release him, I, I do think that's going to happen. Even though Aaron Jones is a great dude, a class guy, I just think it's a- it's A.J. Dillon time. And A.J. Dillon has shown that in sort of the split role this season, and he's played really, really well. And the guy has just endeared himself to the city of green bay to the packer population just being the fact that he's online a lot he now has this podcast with a guy i, I don't even really know like the guy i just was noticing this cuz i he he quote tweeted something else that was bloggable to me and he this guy can't be more than a college kid and A.J. Dillon was wearing a St. Thomas jersey headed into the game yesterday this kid went to St. Thomas or goes to St. Thomas and I was like first of all I was jealous because I was like could I have started a fucking podcast with A.J. Dillon like where where was I should I have done this I don't know. I just think A.J. Dillon has emerged as a premier player for the Green Bay Packers, not only on the field, but off the field. And I think that stuff matters. I really do. I think that is a way for you to basically build your brand and build who you are within the deep community online for Packers, the the Packers. And A.J. Dillon continues to look like the best running back on the team. I do think you're gonna see a lot more A.J. Dillon in the playoffs. I think Aaron Jones still has a role on this team, but at the end of the day, it's A.J. Dillon, and he's gonna be the guy next year. Number four, you could argue that this should have been number three, but the Rasul Douglas emergence, I think, is something none of us saw coming i mean you remember that day green bay was rumored all day to get stefan gilmore that was the story that green bay was gonna get stefan gilmore all of us were fired up we're like okay great like they need an extra corner like stefan gilmore is gonna come in clutch all this other stuff and then rasul douglas is the guy they get instead It was nice to get some, you know, added help because Green Bay had had a bunch of injuries, but it was definitely a disappointment to go from Gilmore to Douglas. Lo and behold, I think we'd rather have Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas has been incredible this season for the Green Bay Packers. I think he's the defensive MVP for this team. I mean, the four interceptions in the last three games, he's been a game breaker. The interceptions always seem to have purpose. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time. This is a heavy comparison, I realize, but it, it is warranted in my opinion. He reminds me a lot of Charles Woodson. And I'm not saying like he's as good as Charles Woodson. I'm not saying he's in a hall, he's not a Hall of Famer like Charles Woodson. I'm just saying he reminds me of Charles Woodson in the fact that Woodson was always there when we needed a big play. Woodson was always around the football and somehow he picked something off when Green Bay needed that momentum to shift. That to me is what Rasul Douglas does. And you saw it against the Browns. You saw it against the, the Chicago Bears. You saw it against the Los Angeles Rams. Rasul Douglas has been a dude all year. The Arizona Cardinals. I mean, it was the the start of it all. And Rasul Douglas has just been very special for the Screaming Packer team. And again, I don't think he'll be back next year. But he's going to be a guy that I think will be in Packers lore forever. He's a guy that will definitely not be forgotten. Especially if it continues the way it should into the postseason and hopefully into the Super Bowl. Lastly, I would say the Aaron Rodgers record-breaking performance from Brett Favre. That's the first we've seen of Aaron Rodgers sort of gaining the mantle from Favre. And I've always said that Rodgers is a better quarterback than Brett Favre in terms of skill and in terms of what he's done. Rodgers' career is masterful. He is a first ballot, unanimous Hall of Famer. It's not even close. And what Rodgers did In his career, after all the bullshit in 2008, has really been special. And it's really been fun to watch Aaron Rodgers throughout his career. And in a weird way, it's going to sound sentimental, but like I grew up with Aaron Rodgers. like I grew up with Brett Favre too, but it was different. When I grew up with Brett Favre, I was a kid. I can't tell you that I remember every Brett Favre game. But I remember so many Aaron Rodgers games. I remember so many, like good and bad. And I kind of remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. And it, and it's because like I st- Aaron Rodgers' career started when I was in college. Like my freshman year of college. Or no, sophomore year, excuse me. Sophomore year of college was Aaron Rodgers' first year as a quarterback. And so you had to go through that tough year where it seemed like the Packers were always in the mix. They were always close. But they'd come up short because they had a terrible defense. And then 2019, 2009, all of a sudden the Packers look like this team that can compete. 2010, they win the Super Bowl. 2011, they are you know 15-1. and one. It's my last year of college. I've argued that that year is one of my best years ever in 2011 where I was still in college. The Packers were 15-1. and one. The Badgers with J.J. G- Watt and Russell Wilson. The Brewers had made it to the NLCS. Um the, the Bucks weren't a thing at that point. That was when the Wisconsin was going on. Um, so it was just an incredible time to be alive. And, and I, I was just rolling. I loved life when I was 23. And I had very little responsibilities. And then, yeah, I've. I, so basically, my entire adult life has been spent with Aaron Rodgers. So I think for him to break the record there just says a lot, man. It says that. It's just another generation, and there will be a kid, hopefully, that is, you know, my, you know, getting out of high school who's just finishing watching Aaron Rodgers, and maybe they get a couple more extra years Aaron Rodgers and then starts another quarterback. And I, I do think the Packers are going to continue this because they are the Green Bay Packers and they have built a legacy of figuring out how this all works with the different players and the different combinations. And I don't think we're going to have an issue like Miami has had or even like New Orleans, right? Ian Book last night, Ian Book was terrible. And and New Orleans has not done a good job of filling in for Drew Brees' successor. Denver still is looking for John Elway's successor. It took Buffalo till Josh Allen to find Jim Kelly's successor. I just don't think that's going to happen with the Green Bay Packers. Lastly, let me go to favorite games of 2021. These are in no order. Kind of, eh, yeah, they're not, I wouldn't say they're in entire order. There are three games that like really stand out to me. The Rams playoff win was awesome. Um, That was a game that I think, you know, first time you had fans back at lambeau field remember the 2020 had wiped out fans you had a limited amount of fans in lambeau field for the packer rams game i think that was really special to hear the crowd noise of lambeau field again and seeing the packers win that game that should have probably been a top moment is getting fans back in lambeau field but i i didn't have that definitely one that should be should have been included but yes um the Rams playoff win was a ton of fun uh, everybody kind of thought oh Aaron Donald's gonna create all this havoc yada yada Packers shut down Aaron Donald they've shut down Aaron Donald twice when they've played him they they know how to play Aaron Donald that doesn't get talked about enough that Green Bay just absolutely owns Aaron Donald uh, San Francisco is also a favorite the Mason Crosby kick to win it the Aaron Rodgers drive down the field after Green Bay had blown a lead uh It's always good to beat San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco, to me, is the biggest rival for the Green Bay Packers. There's some real beef between Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shannon. At least there was in September. Who knows if that still exists. We'll see if they do meet come playoff time. The Arizona game, uh, the Packers had basically no one. A a lot of people thought Green Bay was going to get their asses kicked. I think at the time... The Packers were a six and a half point dog because they had so many injuries. No Devontae Adams. They, I think they didn't have their top three wide receivers and somehow the Packers found a way to get it done. And then there were Sewell Douglas in the, in the end zone interception it was absolutely incredible. I will also put Minnesota in there. So I know the Packers lost that game. But that game was fun as fuck. That was just an awesome football game. Like back and forth. Just crazy. Just it was whoever had the ball last wins. I hope we don't have a repeat on Sunday. But yeah, it was a great game to watch. And sometimes you just have to appreciate good football. And to me, that was one that was definitely up there. I did enjoy this shutout of the Seahawks. Kind of a boring game, but it's always good to beat the Seattle Seahawks. It was kind of the beginning of the end for Seattle, which is always fun. Always a good sort of memory. Um, I I also would include Detroit, the win against them, only because of the Lambeau Field crowd stuff. Can't believe I forgot that. (laughs) You know, I think we're... It's so far from my memory. I know COVID is surging or whatever, uh, but I, again, I don't, I'm don't. i not really too worried about all of it. And so maybe that's why I didn't even include the Lambeau Field being back at full capacity. But that was awesome to see night game against the Detroit Lions. Definitely a worthwhile memory for the season. All right, that does it for today's show. We are gonna do something fun tomorrow. So Mitch and I will tape. But we're not taping tonight. In fact, we're going to be taping tomorrow morning. Probably, I don't know, 8, 8.30. I have off work. Um, so one, after I have my first cup of coffee, Mitch and I will dial up the Zoom. We'll get going and we'll put the podcast up. So we're going to do a power ranking show. We haven't done one of those in a, a while. I have a few things to rank for Mitch and I to talk about. So I think we're going to have fun. So that, that should be a really good time. And I cannot wait for it all right take care of yourself have a great tuesday back tomorrow see you bye